Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Beyond with My Kelton Season 3 is brought to you by Happy Buddha Hemp. Happy Buddha Hemp has my all-time favorite CBD gummies that I literally cannot live without. All the details on my fave nightly treats and sick discounts are coming your way, Carol. But for now, let's get this episode started, shall we? Forever Dog Something when I went downstairs oh, It was interesting, yeah Something grabbed me at my throat So that was interesting And something was like Definitely like, you know Didn't want me down there and you'll Sorry, see could that. it be someone Who worked here Who spent a lot of time down there Who died? Yes Is it someone who worked here? Yes Is it it? It is And he's just And he, he doesn't know how He's really disrupted. He was a flapper in a past life. He's a comedian in this life. He's got a podcast about it. Everything he loves. Magic, psychics, mediums, astrology. Hi, I'm Mike Kelton, and you're listening to... Welcome to Serial Part 2, The Haunted Pants Edition. (laughs) Just kidding. This is Beyond, and I'm Mike Kelton, and I'm happy you're back. And I have to be honest with everyone. I have never received so many Instagram DMs, and what I realize is, holy moly, do we love a cliffhanger. Well, buckle up and get ready for this week's episode, because if you thought Part 1 was spooky, you're in for a true real-life nightmare, just in time for Halloween. Welcome to... The Haunting at Cure Thrift Shop, Part (laughs) 2. Last week, we heard all about how I found myself literally wrapped up in a real-life haunting at Cure Thrift Shop, and even though I think you listened, I'm going to recap everything in hopefully 60 seconds, in case you didn't, because guys, context is important. Time start now. So I did a Facebook Live video for MTV at Cure Thrift Shop in the East Village, and my voice sounded demonic. Listen. Do I look buff or puffy? Yeah, do the full. So I emailed the owner of the shop to do an episode of the pod. She was like, maybe, but I really annoyed her, so she was like, fine. But when she said fine, she also said there was tons of dark energy in the shop. So I got Asa, the magical medium, to agree to come with us and expel the dark energy, like the charm witches. The power of three will set us, what? Free. Thank you. So we all went to Cure Thrift Shop, and Liz told us this creepy story about one One of the spirits in the shop, Ava, her Jewish mother from a past life, who's like annoying, but not necessarily evil. Then, the pants. The pants. The pair of Brooks Brothers pants from a collection that came from an unknown estate and were placed in the basement that literally everyone hates. And once the pants came in the shop, weird stuff started happening. Like, very weird. Flooding, music cutting out, glass falling and cutting people's dainty hands, a break-in, money stolen, and someone stole a jacket from that collection that the pants came from. 
And finally, if all of that wasn't enough, someone bought the pants and returned them. And they didn't want a refund. They just literally wanted to return the pants, which has never happened in the history of Cure Thrift Shop. So I feel like the pants have got to be the darkest thing in the shop. But Asa thought it was something entirely different that has been around long before the pants arrived. That was one minute, right? So sort of up here, it was the spirit of curation and sacred and all of that. And as I went downstairs, it's not that that was gone. It was that something was sort of almost on top of that. Yes. That was saying no and, yep. and pushing back. So I, There's something about the basement. I hardly ever go down there. Um, it's... I just don't like it down there. The basement is not for me. <laughs> but the basement has been going on for a while. For going on for a while. That vortex is older than that, these clothes that absolutely. came in. Absolutely. Okay. But it's been worse. The basement has been my horror show. Like, I, there's something I cannot well, walk down there. we need to change there. that. So it's been a lot it's, worse in the past couple like, months. But the, but the past bad. month, it's been bad. Like, right. I don't go, I can't go down there. But it's been. Well, that's because something's been opened up, right? right. That, that feels dark and negative yes. and all of that. And so when it does, what's going to happen but intensify what's already dark and negative? I mean, that's where it's going to go, right? Right. I want to clo- close that basement. I've been mm-hmm. saying that I want to close it. I want I want to close that entire floor off and just have the upstairs and have downstairs as like storage and offices or whatever else we need to do, but not to have it as that because I hate it down there. So Asa was probably onto something as Liz and her employees really hate the basement. And to give us a bit more context, what you're going to hear next is Liz's employees giving their thoughts on the basement that they had told me right when we sat down. You can explain it by you're in a place without light, without natural light. You're in a place, sometimes it's quiet and you don't see a whole lot of people and you're just alone with yourself for a long time. But there's a very particular weight or sadness that comes upon you when you stay down there for too long. Um, that I don't know any other word but like distressing and like you come upstairs and you're like, thank God. I don't know. There's like this... Um... When you use the word vortex, that's something that I've been describing to new employees as like a manager down there a lot. Like, like f- since I started having to train employees down there, I'd go, hey, welcome to the vortex of downstairs. Like, <laughs> eventually, I promise you, like, you'll get to like come to upstairs land. But like down here, like I, I it's you're stuck a little bit with like this um I guess the best way I can describe it is that, like, I'm a very introverted person. Like, I am very comfortable with alone time. And I've never, you never feel like you're actually alone, but you are completely trapped downstairs. So, clearly, it's not just Liz that hates the basement. It's the employees as well. And, babe, on top of that, it's also customers. Carol, my spirit guides have a message for you. Just kidding. They had nothing to do with this, but I genuinely want to let you know about some of my fave new things that have made my life and sleep habits a bit more chill and vibe-worthy in the past year. CBD products from our season three presenting sponsor, the iconic Happy Buddha Hemp. I've been truly obsessed with the full spectrum CBD gummies for a while now. And I gotta say, sleeping through the night is an absolute vibe. It's made me more alert during the day and brought my general anxiety to an all-time low, which is a vibe. 
If you haven't tried CBD products before, don't fret, Carol. I was also a noob when I tried Happy Buddha Hemp products and I quickly found the perfect dose for me. I recommend starting with the gummies and taking half of one 30 minutes before bed and see how it feels. The next night, do the same amount or go even further to really connect with your subconscious in the dream world. I can confidently tell you that I have tried and love all of the HBH products, which is why I literally asked them to sponsor my podcast. I know, it's sick. So if you want to get in on the CBD life, head over to happybuddahemp.com and use the code BEYOND for 30% off. Again, it's 30% off at happybuddahemp.com using the code BEYOND. This works for all of the products, Carol. So go ham and have a good day. (laughs) So a friend of mine, Trish, listens to the pod she loves. She wrote me this week and said, oh my God, I had weird things happen to me in the basement at Cure Thrift Shop. And I said, babe, we got to hop in a call. So I've been to Cure many times and, you know, Yes, maybe it is like this like, thing that like it's a it's also like a basement, but I just could never shake the feeling that I'd be down there and I'd be going through clothes and I swear to God I would like feel someone behind me thinking it was an employee like trying to help me and I would, you know, kind of turn around and would be there by myself alone. Oh <laughs> in cure. I felt I felt a, a similar way in um, Shakespeare and Co. The old, the original one, downstairs. Uh-huh. Usually it would be like a cat. It would be with the cat that like lived there. It would be uh-huh. like walking around. I'd be like, oh, it's just a cat. Can you give me any more description of like what the presence was like, or like the energy of the presence, or I don't want to say sinister, but definitely not friendly. Um, yeah, like I just got a sense of like I shouldn't be down here. Because I used to live like in Stytown area, so I would just like walk right over, and it would be always on my way to you know wherever I was going, like on the west side. Mm-hmm. So I would always I would pop in all the time, and just and I got to the point where I just would never go downstairs. Okay, so Tris is literally a customer that had no idea we were doing this, and just listened to the pod and shared that experience. And I'm sure more people will reach out once this pod goes by and say something sim, but. It did make me think that this shit is literally so serious. This is like New York's version of the library in Sunnydale High, otherwise known as the Hellmouth. That's a Buffy reference, and by God, I hope you got that. Anyway, Asa went on to explain what the Hellmouth is going on in the basement. But first, he explains what he experienced when he went into the basement. Something when I went downstairs, it was interesting. Yeah, something grabbed me at my throat, so that was interesting. And something was like definitely like, you know didn't want me down there and you'll Sorry, see that. could it be someone who worked here who spent a lot of time down there who died yes is this someone who worked here yes is it 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 is and he's just and he, he doesn't know how he's really disrupted yeah and it was painful Uh, did he ever struggle with addiction? Because that's what he's showing me is addiction. And uh, did he in any way help cause his own death? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, this is... So, you know, it's not evil. 
Yeah. But it's a really dark. That's why I, you know, dark was the best word. I don't know. There aren't always good words, and people put so much drama on these words. And but dark, heavy, sad. So going into this recording, I had no idea we were going to stumble upon such serious subject matter. I had thought we were going to be talking about a spooky pair of pants, but what we uncovered was a story about a past employee that had tragically taken his own life, and out of respect for his family, Liz, and her employees, we will be beeping his name for the duration of this episode. And honestly, the choking when I went down there, you know, you said, uh, I think it was you, said something about the choking and grabbed me by the throat. But it was really that it was, um, uh, it was like my throat chakra, which is... is uh, the area of self-expression. It's not just about our words. You know, if you could be a, a, a sculptor or whatever, if you're, if you're blocked in your self-expression, if you feel blocked in being able to be yourself, oftentimes we deal with throat issues. It, it centers around here. Your power center in your body, if you're a martial artist, you know, your solar plex. Uh, but your power center and your expression in the world, it all centers around throat chakra. And so it felt like that was getting closed and clinched and I felt oppressed there. I didn't feel like it was trying to harm me. I felt like it was harmed. Different. Are you sensing at all that was affected by something that happened here? Like, well, you know, before we get into that, because okay. there was that. Because but, some, but separate than that, uh, what I really sense is that in one way, uh, so there was ways that that was his safe place down there. Um, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, that was his safe place, and that was his place where he knew who who he was for the little time whenever he was there. And, uh, and, and he felt like he knew how to be in the world for that little bit of time. So, so that's a big part of what draws him back here. Um, uh, but it's funny, he also has guilt, just so you know, with you in some ways. So I'm not sure what that is yet. He's sort of not happy, it's sort of staticky, but, uh, but he has guilt. funny he he goes back and forth between being angry with you he had issues with you huh mm-hmm. he pushed back a lot he's a pain in the ass yeah because um, he has uh issues and real pushback with you but also um felt like you were somebody who actually cared about him and invested in him in some way and nobody else would like you saw him mm-hmm but he also hated you for that, by the way. Yeah. Because he felt worse about himself because you saw his good in him. And like you would saw him and would see him and it just, it, it was a cross between making him really mad and wanting to attack you to also really sensitive and almost sheepish with you. He struggled a lot. Yeah. And I think he had, he had some wiring issues up here, you know. There's, 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 uh, there was self-medicating going on. Yeah. For, for wire, undiagnosed wiring issues. I just want to take a moment and let everyone know that this next section contains content that deals with substance abuse and suicide, and listener discretion is advised. If this is not something that you want to listen to, you can absolutely skip it. Time code for the next section is listed in the episode description. I knew him from... I worked at a thrift shop before I opened this store, and he had worked there before I worked there, and we met in that store. And shortly after... So he had never worked for me at that point. We never worked together. And shortly after I opened the shop, he walked in here, and I was like, oh, my God, like we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And I hired him pretty quickly, and we were very close, and I took great care of him. He 
he had a lot of stuff going on. Um, and he, he was amazing at first. And then he started to decline. And it was clear that he was on drugs and wasn't right. He would be sleeping downstairs in the back. Um, he would just leave and then come back in. It was, it was just really strange. And I finally, I had to finally let him go. And he was here for a while, but I had to let him go. And I always said that I thought that he was undiagnosed with schizophrenia. And that's what was happening. And um, it, he just, he just wasn't right. And I could tell, and he had, he would be vacant and he had these strange stares and I, and I had to get him out of the space. And I didn't know until a year ago when I looked him up on Facebook where it said now in memory of I didn't know that he killed himself. And when I read the stories, like the news stories about it, they said that like a, a little while before that something happened and that it messed with his head and he was never right after that. And then he like jumped from his apartment window and killed himself. And I'm thinking as I'm reading that, like, no, he wasn't right when he was here years before that. He he was not right. And I mean, I found that out about a year ago and I've been pretty upset about it since, like just re realizing that he did take his own life. But when he was working here, we had a donation that he went and did the entire pickup of. And it was a woman she came in that her boyfriend had died and she wanted to give us the contents of his apartment went and did the entire clear clean out and it was mostly books and he said that while he was there there was water leaking like in the back of the apartment and it turned out that he had killed himself and he hung himself in that area of the apartment and I have felt all and we also in this donation I talk about it a lot there was a gun hidden inside of a book and there was also a Nazi armband and I report, I like turned the gun into the police and I reported, I gave them all the information and it was a whole big deal, but I always felt that that really affected and that's kind of what pushed him over the edge and that's what made everything happen. Um, so when you're saying the choking, I'm wondering if it's, if it's because of this guy, John, I always remember because it was John's gun, um, who hung himself like the choking and that's what led, that's what pushed him there. I think it's a combo. I think it's it's a series. I, I think that it did have an impact, but I think that it was the last thread that he had to hang on. It was just, there was just nothing left, you know. And we, and recently we had another employee that I had to let go and I kept saying, he is reminding me so much of and he wasn't here for very long, but I kept saying like this particular person like is reminding me so much of the end of his days, like his vacant stares. And I immediately, when we found out that we were burglarized, I thought he had something to do with it. And I don't know, we don't know who did it still, but I immediately went to this kid and like connected him to So through all of this, I've been like connecting this whole situation. So after we spoke about Liz's employee, we took a much needed breather. We had discussed some heavy and emotional stuff and everyone needed a minute. Now, during that break, Asa and Liz went to the basement and had a private conversation off mic about what Asa felt when he went downstairs for the first time. And since we didn't get that on recording, I gave them a call a week later so they could share with us what they had discussed. And I think it's really important in understanding the history of this space and specifically the dark energy that existed in this space before Cure Thrift Shop was even there. 
offline when we met, Asa had had asked me if there had if I had known if there had been parties or raves downstairs. And when I first came into the space ten and a half years ago, when I had the, the phone lines put in, the Verizon guy was like, "I've been in here before." And he was like, was this like a party space? Does somebody live there, live here? And I was like, I have no idea. Maybe. And then he went downstairs into the basement to do the phone lines and came back up and was like, yep, definitely. I was at parties here in the eighties. They were like, someone lived here and there were huge raves in this space. <sighs> and yep. So there was, there was all of this other stuff that happened in here that I obviously don't even know about that Asa picked up on and that, you know, it's, it goes beyond your thrift shop. It's this space and what has happened in here. There were down in that space, there were raves or parties that were going on and people were altered and on drugs and in an altered state of consciousness, intimately connecting with one another in a space that already had a vortex. This city is loaded with vortexes and vortexes are basically like, I mean, the larger ones are the major sacred sites, right? The larger vortexes are the, the pyramids in Giza. They're the Stonehenges, but they're smaller vortexes all over the place. And yeah. Manhattan is filled with them. the West 4th and, F train. That's fucking vortex <laughs> hell right there. <laughs> the, uh, so when you have a vortex, they had opened up that vortex in that space. And so you have vortexes that are like little between world spaces. You can connect easily. Like things can come through there. And you have people who are altering themselves, the drugs, music, sex, whatever, in the space. altered. So there was already an open energy that was there. Asa called it open energy. And I'm calling it the hell mouth. And I wanted to know what went on in this basement and what role did it have in affecting Liz's old employee? So just like I did with the pants, I put on my private investigator hat that I got at Club Monaco for half off and I went literally nuts trying to find this information. I called the police records office downtown New York, but I got an email and I still have not heard back. Babes, get on it. So then I thought maybe I could hear from someone who actually went to a party down there to hear their experience. So I posted on Facebook and Twitter and Insta, and I had some leads. But every time someone would respond, they would say something like, I think there were parties there, but I never went. But then finally, I got a good lead. My friend Eric connected me with Nikki Haskell. Nikki is a socialite, TV host, and first female stockbroker in New York. Literally, Nikki, babe, congrats. And Nikki's the kind of like, who's who of high society in New York City in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Anyway, I got connected with Nikki, and I heard that she absolutely knew what was up at 111 East 12th Street, and she was happy to chat about it on the phone. So, babe, we called Nikki Haskell. Hello? Nikki? Yes? Hi, it's Mike Kelton calling. Uh, Eric's friend? Hey, hold on a second. Hold on one sec. Okay. Can I have a hot dog? A hot dog? Hot dog? One. With mustard and... No, mustard and relish. Mustard, that's what I said. Okay. Um, oh, that's good. They don't have, they don't have relish. So oh. the relish is the operative word here. And I knew any woman confident enough to order a hot dog literally five seconds into a phone call would have absolutely been at a party in the basement of what is now Cure Thrift Shop in the 1980s. We were involved in some kind of haunting at Cure Thrift Shop in the East Village, uh, which is at the address 111 East 12th Street. And uh, what we're learning is there's a basement uh, 
that's very haunted and there's a lot of darkness in the basement. And what we're learning now is before it was Cure Thrift Shop, there was an owner. And then before that, it was a, a prevalent person in New York who had a townhouse and threw parties in the basement. And I'm looking for any information about what happened in that basement. I have no idea. I thought it was something completely different. Literally, what is the strongest lead we had in this case? The one my sources told me was absolutely dancing in the basement of Cure Thrift Shop in the 80s. Gave us the hardest no I've ever received in my life. And you know what? I found it so effing hilarious that I was like, you must include in the app. So for now, looks like we have to trust the Verizon guy and Asa's supernatural abilities. Which brings me back to the dark vortex in the basement of Cure Thrift Shop. About a week after this recording, I was doing some research on the internet, and I stumbled upon an article about Liz's ex-employee's passing. And one thing definitely stood out to me. Now, his passing was extremely traumatic, and I didn't want to go into it for this episode of the podcast because I thought in some way it was not appropriate and not fair to his family. But there was one thing that I did think was important for sharing for the correlation of the story that we're telling. And as a result of a lot of the combined trauma that he went through, one of his family members noticed something about him a couple months before he passed. And what you're going to hear now is me sharing that information on a call with Asa. In the last few months, he got involved in uh, demonic or satanic rituals and that he started believing he had godlike powers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that that does add up. Um, so there's definitely the possibility that he did some ritual or work that might have also magnified what was happening there. I don't believe he's a cause. Remember, he spent a lot of time in that basement. That was his space uh, when he was there. So, 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 yeah. so there may be a certain amount of energy that was going on that really, um, that made him, disrupted him more, as well as him getting darker and sort of feeding that. So they start to feed off of one another. So at this point in the recording of this episode, I was trying over and over to consolidate all this information about the basement in some kind of streamlined narrative. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was doing a very bad job because a lot had happened. We have a lot of information and it was spooky and confusing. So I thought the best way for you guys to understand what I was thinking was to sit down with Alex in the studio at literally 11.30 p.m. and chat about what we thought was going on in the basement. I don't know. What do you, well, first off, what do, you, what do you think is in the basement? So I genuinely think that this space has been dark for a while, mm-hmm. like the Hellmouth. I think the Vortex is the Hellmouth. Mm-hmm. And I think Liz's old employee after struggling a lot and going through all of those dark times, I think before he passed, doing some of those satanic rituals, I think allowed his energy to stay there and open up that dark energy or amplify it in a way that hasn't happened in many years, which is why they're feeling it so heavily now. Mm. What do you think? I think that that basement Mm-hmm. has a history. Mm-hmm. I think that before 
cure was around. There were things that happened there, events that, because of what was going on, opened up some kind of, I don't know, vortex is what Asa Mm -hmm. said. And that. And also, I think what's interesting to bring up is when Asa said vortex, when we were recording, no one said what? They were like, yes. They just, I think, knew what he was talking about in a way where they had lived in that space yeah. and felt that yeah. energy. Yeah, I think that there was something that that darker energy already existed before Cure was there and that there were certain people and events like the, the, they were Liz's employee mm-hmm. um, had a connection with that basement and the circumstances by which he died were tragic um, and sad and heavy and that created a certain type that amplified the energy that already existed there Mm -hmm. is what i think and that for liz and everybody else like all the other things that happened in the shop all the other objects that had their own energy like the pants or whatever Uh came and amplified that already existing energy Uh uh-huh and therefore creating that very dense dark energetic feeling in the basement that's that's what i think that it's a massive like combination of Of all these different things that have just like reached like a critical point and i also think kind of like a real problem in your life if you're kind of ignoring it i think it gets bigger and feels heavier i think that because liz and her employees had been kind of just being like i don't want to be in the basement like Mm -hmm. i wanted to close it down i don't want to be down there she almost allowed it to become darker and heavier Exactly. I, right. Exactly. Because you're yes. just fueling it. Exactly. Also, I just want to point out that I cannot believe I'm speaking this confidently about <laughs> this of all fucking things. It's important to know that, like, I, me and Alex don't know anything I, yeah, about. And this. also, like, I am not like I am like a uh, like I recently started like kind of buying into this stuff. Oh, this is very important for our listeners to hear. It, when we started this, Alex was like loved that i was doing this and so supportive but was like i was skeptical my mom loves this stuff yes my mom loves this stuff but like i don't i don't believe it so i made a believer out of alex which was great but the question still remained what was asa gonna do to help liz move forward in the space so the most important thing that you get out of today i think is is that you know these objects have stories they have energy they have memories and they can impact us. We can, you know, feel them and experience them and they can impact how we feel, right? What happens, what we do. And so, you know, with having the shop, I think it's about creating a space in here that that uh, almost transmutes the negative, right? That keeps the energy lifted in a certain way. I'd love to see like a little altar, not to be corny, but one that's not, you know, it doesn't have to be religious or anything mm-hmm. like that, but something that's just really sacred, that's really just a, you know, lighting a candle or just a, a gift daily, just saying, you know, morning, everybody. <laughs> Hello. You know, we're only loving that in here, that which is of, uh, how about like love, light, and for the highest good of all who come and go. You know, just a, a simple little thing that's just a little prayer and acknowledgement at the end of the day. Say goodnight. And you go. So it's just a way of like honoring that, but also saying like, this is this is the vibration we exist at. You know, we can look at these darker stories. We can look in as we experience them and see them, but that's something we're looking in at. That's not something we're inviting into the space. Okay. And what can we do for downstairs? 
Yeah, we're going to have to lift that energy. Okay. <laughs> I have to think about that. And that's next week on the finale of The Haunting at Cure Thrift Shop. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.